0: Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Pick 6 podcast, where once again we are not bouncing around the news stories of the NFL or putting any bets on this week because uh, there's not really much going on in terms of NFL action. There's a few things to be discussed with Jazz and Dave, which at some point I'm hoping this week we will get a chance to sit down and talk all things NFL news. We'll leave that though until later on in the week. And uh, as I hinted earlier on when we dropped the Oli Hunter podcast on Monday, uh, we have another special guest coming up on the show today, a man who has hosted the NFL on Channel 4, Channel 5, BBC 5 Live, and now the NFL host of Sunday Night Talks War 2 Action, and of course the Super Bowls as well. Nat Coombs joining me on the show to talk all things NFL, uh, social justice once again, because it's impossible not to talk about it, whether you're talking about sports or just conversation in general at the moment. And we had a good old chat about that. Um, his stand-up comedy career and uh, and our favourite comedians. We really bounced around the houses once again. Of course, as I say, there was some NFL chat, particularly talking about Nat's career and some of the things that he's done, uh, some of the people that he's met. And uh, yeah, it was just a good all around conversation. Uh, it was split into a couple of parts because he's a busy guy. He's got stuff going on during COVID times, whereas uh, some of us have a little less to do, so we uh, we had to split it into uh, a couple of conversations, about half an hour or so, and I'll put my hands up and apologize that the audio on the first half isn't ideal, that was a faux pas on my part, far better when we get into the second half of the conversation, but the point is, it's a great chat, it's a really good laugh, and uh, sit back and enjoy, take it all in.
1: Over the middle, picked up! It's intercepted. Blitz coming. Pass is picked off.
0: He's going to go looking again. And it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off.
1: Exactly. meant to be outside for like more than 10 minutes kind of thing. this is it because you know I, you know i sort of took my boys to play football in in the park when when it was at its height as our kind of one exercise a day but you know that tends to revolve uh, or that tended to uh, manifest itself as me getting peppered in goal uh just repeatedly <laughs> for about uh, an hour and then we come home so whilst that's good for my for my 5 side keeping it was uh, <laughs> probably not the best cardio actually i don't know maybe it was quite a good cardio workout just diving around everywhere yeah but... i mean you're, you're doing full body
0: throwing your just full body weight around the place and everything i'm sure that's like plyometrics in some well, ways
1: do you know what the funny thing is when i play so i play you know a lot i play a lot of 5 side and and these days I, I kind of went through this just purely by chance uh i got a rib as all all my entire life played up front right Mm -hmm. and um and i think it's fair to say a limited player so i had a a lot of speed when i was younger that's obviously faded (laughs) it's kind of michael owen (laughs) uh without any of the actual talent uh similarities there and but i could see a finisher as well right but other than that my game is quite limited and not being self-deprecating like i could do some things pretty well and most things not very well and then got a -a five-a-side team together again quite recently and it was, you know, go it was great to be playing again, and and I coach, you know, coach my boys, so was, I really kind of wanted to play again, and uh, and the second or third game in, I knocked the ball past this massive unit, and who just basically body checked me, and I did my <laughs> ribs. You, I think you remember. I think we were doing some games during the season where my ribs weren't exactly, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I came back from that injury, um, the first game back, I thought, look, I'll I'll play in goal because the five or so we play, and you can't you're not allowed in the area it's one of those you know the opposing players or defense aren't allowed in the area so I thought I'm not going to get biffed so whilst I know it might sound counterintuitive to throw, throw myself around the I'll do it and see how it did and I absolutely loved it so I said to the to the rest of the team because no one else wanted to play in goal I said look I'm quite up for this like and so that I got absolutely hooked on it playing two three times a week to get to a basic level of competency which I think I'd just about achieved and but what I noticed was uh if I, was, like, I play a game on sunday morning it's an hour-long game but it always goes supposed to be it goes on for usually about an hour and 20 minutes and it's actually six aside um sometimes seven if there are enough players but it's usually a six aside it's it, like i'm surprised about how exhausted i am or how worn out i am after playing It's so you, you know go you just think oh i know five aside is particularly pacey mm-hmm. but you know i'm surprised about like sh- you know, it feels like I've been doing 60 minutes of cardio in the gym, you know. I don't think I'd be interested in playing. Uh, I mean, I've played like eight aside, and I can just about, I mean, it's a really different technique, uh, uh, I guess, in, in many ways. Obviously, because the size of goals and, and the style of the game, it's low. You've got to go down low more. I love five aside for that reason, for the speed of it uh playing in goal i mean but i think i'd get quite bored if i if i was playing in goal 11 (laughs) yeah but that kind of suits me i still have dreams that i'm gonna get you know get spotted by the england over 35s veterans like wait a minute i'm gonna gonna get my gonna get my international nod (laughs) you're going
0: for that um nhl goalkeeper kind of role aren't you you know the guy that's there for both teams when both goal contenders get pulled out and then you get to go in yeah yeah (laughs) gotta cling on to those
1: dreams man you gotta cling on as long you shit gotta you can. do it actually on funny enough on the latest pod uh my latest ESPN pod Tom Deacon we we've done a few in the off season of kind of off the beaten track shows uh, so i did one with Vern a couple of weeks back on movies and we did that again just this week with Tom Deacon and um and he we were talking about the about invincible you know the mark Warburg film where, about Harley. Oh, yeah. of course you know that yeah I mean, yeah like um, <laughs> as an eagles fan so uh Yeah, that, that kind of came up. That was still holding on to some sort of tentative hope that we'll get, you know, get spotted. <laughs> that's a that's a real like. There are a couple
0: of almost tear jerking move mo, uh, moments in that movie. Actually, yeah, I think it's quite underrated because it's easy I to agree, look at totally. it as a Disney production yep. and kind of yep. like, oh, it's all naffy family, yep. la la la. But like when he finds out that he's an eagle and his buddy comes to fix his car in the car park yeah like, hey, there's nothing yeah. wrong with this or anything like that it's like wait yeah. a minute are you a freaking oh my god yeah. it's like yeah there's some moments like that which actually get you as much as some of the other great nfl movies and stuff
1: i that's you know it's it's weird you say that because we haven't released the pod yet that is exactly what we said about it, it almost word for word it is really <laughs> really underrated and and um Greg Kinnear is Dick Vermeule. I love Vermeule anyway. He's brilliant. He looks eerily like him. I mean, and obviously that's the point of casting. But I mean, it's weird how, how similar he, he is. But um, but but brilliant and really understated. I mean, Warbug's an understated performer generally, as, as Tom said on the film on the film on the pod in uh, the Fighter. Same sort of thing. He's just quite. basically kind of yeah. understated under um, you know under the radar uh, actor. Full stop. I think yeah, underestimated.
0: That's probably one of my favorite sports movies of all time, The Fighter. It's like oh, great, a magnificent soundtrack. Wahlberg's great, mm. Christian Bale's great. Bale's amazing. Um, yeah, the what I watched it. Obviously, saw it in like the cinema and stuff like that. But I watched mm. it on a flight once when I was going mm. out to uh, Dubai for some work, and uh, because of it was a movie on a plane, they edited a few bits. And you know that scene where all of the sisters turn up to have a go at, um, oh, what's Mark Wahlberg's girlfriend's name? The is that Amy Adams. Yeah, Amy Adams, yeah. And they all turn up on her porch and they all start yelling. It's basically yes, like just catfighting yeah. and stuff. That yeah. whole scene got cut because the Arab airline was like, no, this is just not appropriate at all whatsoever. So there's this <laughs> huge it. chunk from the movie. And they just kept suddenly the scenes,
1: but they took that out. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, it's kind of about crack, really, as a movie. You know, it's it's essentially that's the story. So, have you found um, lockdown aside from obviously these podcasts off the beaten track a bit and things like that? I mean, has it been okay for you kind of mentally? Obviously, you still got some work going on and things like that because we've done a few bits on Talk Sport and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, have have you found it in the most surreal kind of way?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the word, isn't it? I, I guess, I guess, like most of us, right? It has been a mixture of highs and lows and things that i'm grateful for you know the, the time particularly that i've had with my family with my kids and i guess i've always i've tried to build a life where i am very active in and see my kids a lot in particular and um uh, and i'm a real you know you know me i'm a, I'm a very much a kind of homie. Uh, kind of guy. I mean, I like a I like a beer for sure, but you know, I'm not really interested in any of the you know the kind of party scene or that side of what we do. You know, couldn't couldn't care uh, less about that. Uh, so yeah, I, I might I'd be yeah happiest with a beer in my hand watching Invincible, for example, on a on a Saturday <laughs> night than, than anything else. So, but having said that, there, there's been a you know significant um, enhancement of that because we you know the boys have been you know off school and. Uh, so I've got to spend a lot of time with them, which has been great. I think from a professional point of view, it hasn't actually affected much of the sporting stuff I do hugely. Um, you know, the, the my ESPN show just kind of rolls through. It's in under contract. We're producing, you know, X number of shows in the offseason. So that's been that's been going fine and, and talk sport in, when it's not NFL, my show kind of morphs and you've been on it of course um are into a global sports show so
0: mm.
1: we talk a lot of nfl on that a lot of american sports but so that ha- that hasn't changed there has been a lot to talk about and a lot of ideas that we've been able to facilitate there and um and of course we're out of nfl season so that hasn't affected any of the live live stuff and we did the draft live and all, all kinds of stuff so on that side it hasn't been uh, hasn't been a challenge and we've got i've got different things kind of cooking on that side i also have you know business interests um and, you know, one of those businesses is uh, um, is an agency that's very heavily involved in hospitality. And so okay. that has been hit quite quite hard, but not, um, you know, not insurmountably, not, um, uh, you know, not to uh, a degree where it's not going to survive, but nevertheless, like hugely challenging. So I've been kind of, uh, have my head sort of very much with you know, in business mode, uh, you know, what I haven't been in presenter mode, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a, an interesting mix in that respect for sure. But uh, but yeah, yeah challenged and, and rewarding ultimately.
0: It's going to get more challenging as um, we come out of lockdown because with the I was chatting with Ollie Hunter this morning about yeah. some of this um, with the NFL's kind of move to they're, they're desperate to get the season kind of up and running as yeah. it should be. Um, the NBA obviously going through their problems at the moment, and then you add. On top of what already was a crazy situation with COVID, is everything that's happening now in the social economic climate of yeah. the US and the UK and the, the Black Lives Matter movement, and it's it's a unique test. I'd have thought as a broadcast, particularly as a host, because in my you know my realms generally is commentating, so mm. I just see the action, call the action, then throw back to <laughs> someone like yourself. Whereas you kind of have to circumnavigate a bit more some of the Mm. other social stuff that's happening when you're presenting shows. And it's Mm. a, it's a difficult line to tread, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, it is. It is for sure. You know, there's, there's got to be a a sensitivity to what, to, to what you do whenever you're tackling a subject um, that is, 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 is delicate and important. And, um, and, uh, for sure, I think there's so much going on. So you know, I say, uh, you know, like most of us, highs and lows. And then automatically, I'm thinking, well, that's a you know a huge understatement um, for some people who've lost their jobs, who uh, you know are in severe financial distress. It's not at all accurate for uh, many people around the world who've lost loved ones. So yeah, automatically, you know, you think you're mindful of everything you're saying and, um, and trying to find the the most appropriate language and have a precision in in what you're saying, which which you should always strive to do, I guess. But I think mm-hmm. it's it's get, definitely you know gained extra point extra poignancy and uh, you know and similarly with um, you know we we had a show on my ESPN show um, we had an episode with talking about the social activism and 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 Black Lives Matter uh, and the movement with with Marlon Favorite who of course you know very well was part of our our Super Bowl crew for for Talksport and you know Marlon came on and uh, talked very uh, uh, openly and honestly about a lot of personal experiences that he has had uh, as a player as a as a as a black man in america and it is you know, when you've worked with someone l- like that who is uh, so easy to get on with so easy to work with in that it's capacity. The nicest man, the
0: my favorite, was just a big smiling fella Is exactly right. All of the super the Bowl, just love the whole
1: thing. Love the whole thing. It's great to work with. And then you suddenly, the next time you work with him, and sure, he's you know, I've done a few radio hits with him and everything else. But the next time you have a a serious sit down chat with him, you're talking about altogether different subject, altogether different experiences. Uh, um, uh, and you know, it, it really is really is poignant and. Uh, educational and uh, and interesting uh, and, and many other things so it's been I, I suppose as a broadcaster in the last couple of months particularly allowed the sh- with the shows that i do to to get into subjects hopefully in a substantial way in a in a way that and in a considered way then it's that's that's definitely been something i found rewarding
0: yeah i think um i said this to uh to mr hunter earlier today i said i've i've been fascinated by it like Mm. and not in a sense of i'm enjoying seeing it because obviously you don't want to see the the negative aspects in terms of like the the violence the brutality etc but i'm fascinated by it because i'm really enjoying learning about it and soaking in a lot of the information it becomes very heavy when you do that especially like i think i did a three or four day kind of bender of just you know Twitter news CNN Fox like taking in the whole bracket of everything and trying to soak in as much mm. information as I could about it all at the end of the day there's there's only one real <laughs> right side on this one it's racisms freaking bad and at least brutality is bad and how those two things still exist are kind of beyond
1: me in this in this world at this point but it's well, you and me both yeah I mean I think that the key the keys really action and that's that was one of the I suppose the consistent narrative, certainly from the NFL players, if we, if we bring it specifically to NFL, of course it is, um, you know, this is a, 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 a similar proposition outside of the NFL, but we both cover the NFL and something that I've been looking at particularly closely that what was incredibly and abundantly clear with the volume of players saying, well, don't just say, use words that might be well-meaning but ultimately there's nothing else to it than that what is the action Mm. what's happening what's changing and i think the nfl specifically eh, with commissioner goodell's follow-up statement undoubtedly that was influenced and their position has been influenced by player power and by players and in particular the black lives matter um video that came out On the eve of the second statement, or thereabouts, you know, a day or two before, with Mahomes and and many others involved, uh, many other players involved with the—I don't think any coaches involved in it—certainly players were, um, you know, very powerful stuff. And the NFL responded to that, and I I think we felt compelled to respond to it. Um, And that is a great example of. Of of player power and and, and action, you hope, and, and certainly that's what needs to happen more. Is yes, the right sentiment, the right support with language is important, but action is fundamental.
0: Yeah, and um, and and it seems to be now that at least some of the action that's been taken is people are starting to listen properly, as mm. opposed to. I mean, Drew Brees' comments, the second statement he made after Mm. the initial one where he said, look, I've sat down and spoken to a number of my teammates and I finally learned that it's not about the flag and disrespecting America. It's about Mm. this completely different issue, Mm. which which just shows that it's taken too long for people to actually learn that that's what Kaepernick was taking the knee for. But Mm. now people are at least willing to learn and listen about what it's about. And that's at least the first steps that are, that are going to be taking the NFL, at least on, on the right path. I just wondered if you thought maybe, because um, Kyrie Irving, Irving and a few others in the NBA have said that they don't want to play at the moment because mm. of the distraction it may cause from the social movement of the NBA returning in Orlando. Yeah. Um, I just wondered if you thought, would NFL players, if it's, you know, as it is now getting to September, and the preseason games, especially would NFL players start taking that stance. Do you think?
1: Yeah, possibly. I think, I think, I think it's a possibility. And I think that is also, you know, a critical component to what has been happening, uh, in, in that it continues the messaging, the discussion. And, and as I say, the action continues to, to stay visible, uh, and that, that there isn't, uh, a, a, I guess, a retraction. And certainly, and that's a difficult thing in some ways to retain um, the the key issues in the mainstream public consciousness for a prolonged period of time. Uh, and I think that's essential that that happens. And and I guess uh, so. I understand where players like Kyrie Irving I understand what he's what he's saying here. And I guess you're right that that could could apply to the NFL. Basketball, football doesn't necessarily matter in, 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 in comparison. You see, I suppose you've seen this as well with COVID um, in, 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 a, in a similar kind of way to the extent that a lot of footballers are saying no, how serious I can be, and certainly at the, at the height of the pandemic. And I know it's,
0: Aguero said, didn't he, that he didn't really want to play.
1: Want to play, yeah. And uh, and LeBron definitely did early on. And I know it, it, it's accelerating and at different levels all around the world. So it kind of that that varies. But the you can understand why athletes don't want to play, albeit that it's their livelihood and they love it, and their passion. Play a game when there are when there are more important things to be thinking about so yeah Yeah. i I, of course i understand that and you're right it might it might be certainly a factor for some nfl players
0: um can we talk about yourself in the nfl just for a bit just to hey you know go move away from the serious stuff just for a second let's Um, do it and and you know you can always have a big laugh when anybody's talking about miami dolphins fans because you know (laughs) you've got to laugh otherwise you'll (laughs) cry right i guess Mm. um but how does how does nat coombs because i obviously knew you before i'd worked with you before because i channel five nfl kind of thing you took over from colin murray when he finished yes on that did. wasn't it yeah, and yeah. then it was you and mike and then i remember new york Super Bowl was, yeah that's right you were yeah. on the sideline
1: that's right so i moved to so uh, channel five for three years and i went to espn for the first time and i stopped doing nfl on tv then because i was doing espn at the same time essentially um so uh i moved i did five live actually and that's when i started doing radio for the first time Mm -hmm. their their baseball coverage as well as their nfl um moved back to channel four so yeah the new york super bowl was was 2013 i want to say 2013 Mm -hmm. i think so yeah um yeah which was which was i was sidelined at that game yeah that was that was incredible
0: 48 wasn't it
1: why did why
0: did you got sidelined Access for the one Super Bowl that wasn't in a tropical climate, and they were like, "Nah, let's just stick this one in winter." Yeah, I'm putting that down on the sideline. How's
1: Unbelievable! <laughs> I know. and it was, I was really ill as well. That um that Super Bowl, we have been in New York all week, and I was recording stuff all week for the show. And by game day, I was really—I mean, like super flu ill. I've never—I'm not exaggerating. It wasn't man flu. I, I haven't been—I I haven't been as ill in my life as, far as I can remember. When I got back. I was in bed for 10, almost 10 days. Wow. Just like knocked out, like sleeping 18, 19 hours. I mean, I must've caught some, yeah, serious, serious super flu. And the, <laughs> so the game itself was a bit of a blur. I was just, I was just <laughs> <laughs> how the hell I pulled it off to be honest. Now uh, we're coming uh,
0: down to you. Uh, yeah.
1: All right. This, Fine. I'll say some stuff. <laughs> right, I don't have much recollection of it. Although I, I've got it on tape, watching it back and think how the hell you wouldn't tell. You couldn't tell. I mean, yeah. Uh, but you know you've 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 done uh, you know a number of Super Bowls. You know what it's like. Bear in mind, I was pitch side. That was surreal enough because we were right by the Seahawks bench. And then when it came to uh, you know the end of the game, we I was on the field. That we had quite priority. There was about five or six crews that had priority access, I suppose. So during the fourth quarter, we got moved around to the tunnel uh, where we could come on quickly because there was a. A, a part of the field where a number of the key players will, will, will be brought to us so you know there's always this scrum on the field after this yeah. we were uh, we were kind of given this kind of access so i was down there on the field you know standing next to peyton manning with the super bowl mvp truck going past me in the glitter <laughs> like, on some quite strong flu prescription drugs <laughs> Just thinking, what the hell is going on
0: yeah. oh man yeah i look like don't uh, you know i did that game this year just feeling rough oh as hell God,
1: yeah you were that's right you did. Uh,
0: and i had to because i went down with like will me. to the locker room and yeah he was like do you want to do some stuff i was like i i can barely hold the camera for you mate like yeah. i just want out at this point
1: <laughs> because you're wiped anyway aren't you? i mean you know this and particularly i mean what you said earlier about hosting is one thing but you know calling play by play i tip my hat to you man i did it, it's it's such a you know a challenging skill and calling a super bowl as well in particular so i mean talk about draining and the fact you pulled that off i mean respect because that must have been you must have been absolutely wiped after that
0: i I had two days in bed before flying back and then i had three four days in bed as soon as i got back as well i was just yeah yeah but but i didn't feel it until as i say it was so weird until the moment i came off air from the play-by-play i didn't Mm -hmm. feel ill I was just like, just got to keep going. Just got to keep yeah. going. Keep ca- yeah. chatting with Shane. Like, keep throwing
1: across keep the wheel. Dreadnought yeah. kicks in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Just bonkers, man.
0: Um, So New York was the first one that you did?
1: First one I did out there. Yeah, that's right. It was, yeah.
0: yeah. And then Arizona
1: after that, wasn't it? 49. Which I, anch- I anchored that one, but I anchored it from the studio in London. Ah, oh, balls. So, But it was kind of good and bad because the first Super Bowl I anchored, uh... And really, so yeah, that season was when uh, I I started anchoring the London Games as well. So I was doing side similarly sideline for them, and then they made a change in uh, for the following season because I was doing obviously the late night games and the highlight show with Vernon. But that was the first first um, Super Bowl I anchored, and and I'd been doing the London Games as well. So it was a special year for me that one. And and actually, that Super Bowl that I anchored was the first. Time I worked with OC. So OC oh, our studio guest, which was amazing. And uh it was and we have Vernon and Gethin Jones out in Arizona doing stuff. In fact, Gethin was pitched side for that one. So it was a good, it was a good, it was a good show, I think. That one. We um we got nominated for the broadcast awards that year. Uh so that was a kind of perfect flourish to awesome. the end of the year. And then of course the rights changed and the BBC <laughs> uh the bbc got the ball i kind of landed on my feet there because i've I've been able lucky enough to do the live games the london games for them yeah uh, and and yet the same time enabled me to do the the talk sport coverage so yeah it's
0: you've got a great way of dovetailing kind of between the two really nicely like you could doing a bit of the tv still and doing the radio do you have like a do you have like a preference to be the one? Like, obviously, I mean, the radio guys that you work with are obviously way better. So, you know,
1: <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of the, the, my colleagues, oh, of course it's the radio. No, I, I like the cop out answer, but I like them both for, in different ways. Um, sure. And actually, you know, with the, with the pod as well. So that's been, you know, a big part of my life for the last couple of years and, you know, moving it to ESPN and we're doing, you know, four shows a week and, uh, you know, we're doing our shows live out in, in, in Miami. And, again a different kind of thing so I, I i guess i like the combination yeah they have all three yeah do you find you get a bit more freedom
0: with radio than tv and then obviously a lot more freedom with the podcast than radio or are you still because it's an espn podcast you still kind of bound a little bit so you can't be too casual you know you can't be like doing shots of jack daniels while you're recording <laughs> your podcast or anything like that you know
1: yeah um if the camera's on i can't definitely um uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a really good point i mean i think it depends again, it depends on the, on the show, obviously. But what I mean by that is if you're doing like a London, NFL, uh, London game for the BBC, it is uh, it, it's prime time in terms of when it's going out, as opposed to, uh, when I say that, it's not to puff out my chest, as opposed to when we're doing Sunday Night Football on Channel 4, you know, in the, in the wee small hours, So mm. the tonality is a little bit different. Uh, you know, you can, we could go off tangent. I mean, one of the, the great things about those, those late night shows, and I think why, uh, you know, why, why they worked so well was because we had that freedom to talk about what we wanted so it had an element of a podcast vibe or a a kind of late night radio show but it was on telly so we had the live game as well a lot of time to fill like the great thing about the nfl is you have a lot of time to fill and so it created a sense of community and a a a following i guess so that we're all watching this together all in this together and so that was special whereas if you do something like the the bbc show if you're doing a london game it's much more precise Like particularly the top of the show it's it's as as you know you're watching uh uh, you know any major sporting event on tv it's very specific time because here's the running order you're going to talk about this player this player this player you got to keep it entertaining and and keep it you know light as well as informative but it's a different kind of thing it's a different Mm.
0: thing Whereas yeah. a talk sport running order, I mean, you can start the show and it yeah, goes out the window <laughs> inside. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I've seen one once. It was like a mock up insert interview here, etc., and then you just kind of throw it out the window and see what I happens. I like a
1: real sense of what I'm doing that on that front. I think um, it's quite funny. You talk about you know uh, uh, you know when we when we've been doing the Super Bowls. I really want to know exactly what the. That's definitely from my TV background. I think where if I'm doing a Super Bowl for you know for tv it's a very clear like this is the pre-game structure whereas radio is definitely looser isn't it so ah, well yeah, yeah well we we will be fine we'll just talk about yeah and we always are and it's always good and, uh, and of course everyone's prepared and it's done the work but it's a bit it's a little bit looser i suppose
0: well and you've got to as well in particularly obviously the two super bowls that we've worked on together you have had three main guests to deal with mm. as well as obviously yourself as well as trying to introduce the kind of play-by-play team, and uh, and of course there's Will, who is you know the staple part of uh, Talk Sports kind of NFL coverage as well. Who who has I mean the guy's got so much knowledge. It's, I mentioned something time. to him, and it's only like, okay, you know a lot more about this than me. All right, I'll just go back to calling <laughs> the plays and see what happens. But like, so you've got a lot of people and a lot of voices to not only introduce, but then get something out of and hit all of these time beats as well i I never know if you're are you 100 there on like the conversations or is it or in your head are you like okay 20 more seconds 20 more seconds and move on then move on like come on hurry up like how are you staying focused and multitasking in that sense because you've got to have your own mind on the time as well as on what the guests are saying
1: you do and that is definitely um something that comes uh, certainly with experience but i guess too it's a really astute point and and it is, uh, it's is—it's a balancing act. I mean, it, it, to kind of add extra an extra layer there, if you're doing a live game on telly, it depends on whether you have open or closed talkback, they call it, which is when the gallery are talking to you, you, mean, you know this, but for your listeners, um, the gallery, uh, your director, producer talking to you, and a lot of presenters don't like it open where you can hear everything all the time, but I do. And to add an extra layer that if it's an American gay, American broadcast that we're taking the feed of, so say a London game, we might be taking the NBC feed, I can often hear the countdown of the American PA because the, the truck wants that. So I can hear all these different things in my head as well as what's going on. And I've just, I'm just used to it. I mean, I can, I can, uh, you know, I'm able to listen to both. Uh, There is probably time, there are probably times when I drift off, like particularly when Mike Carlson is talking, (laughs) there are times when when I I would drift off um, because, uh, and, and, you know, be concentrating on something specifically, but uh, I guess it's just technique to, to learn not to do it too much so I miss the point of something and I can get it's a bit like speed reading I suppose if, 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 if that is any kind of logical parallel where you can often kind of get the gist of what is being said and work also working out I think it's important not always to have a follow-up question but equally you don't want to be in a situation where you're just asking a sequence of questions that has no connection with what your guests are saying either so you've got to react and you've got to follow up at times but at the same time uh you know you've got a lot to deal with so you're not necessarily going to always be listening to a hundred percent of what they say
0: yeah that's the the horrible temptation is when you've thought out maybe like five different questions like oh that's going to be really nice and that one and hopefully get a great answer and then somebody's yeah. answer will lead you down a tangent and yeah, you have right. to go down there because it's interesting all this <laughs> yeah, something and you're like oh okay. all right we'll see you Yeah, uh, let's let's just go. Uh, you're a busy man, Nat, so I completely understand the need for a interlude and inter- and a pause in our, our conversation from earlier. We were on the Super Bowl topics, uh, of yes, like, we were. the yeah, ones yeah, yeah. that you'd been to and and had got to do. Yeah, uh, what's been like one of those moments? Because I- I've had loads of them personally, and I've only I say only. I never thought I'd get to one, let alone getting to go to three and stuff. But yeah, have you had any of those moments? And what was the first moment that was like, oh my goodness, I'm at a Super Bowl and X player is there or this moment has just happened. Like um, uh, when when the Pats beat the Seahawks, Tom Brady walked like directly past me, almost brushing shoulders, followed yeah. very quickly by the Lombardi trophy. I was just like, this that is unreal. Yeah. Like, absolutely unreal. You must yeah. have had a few of those.
1: Working with Ollie Wilson definitely <laughs> 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 my number one. Um, I yeah, I, I guess I have. I mean, uh, I, I it's it's interesting, and you know, you know this obviously from from having done a number now as well. But to try and explain it, if you haven't been involved in a Super Bowl before, particularly as media, particularly for for the entirety of the week, it is just a freight train of technicolor um uh <laughs> i mean excess it, it, it is it is uh, in 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 the purest sense of the word i mean if you take me like opening night and i'm i'm kind of in two minds about opening night i have to say and maybe it's a a controversial take like the part of me the fan the you know the the kid that hasn't grown up is 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 in awe of the the, the brilliance of it and the kind of cartoon like compelling nature of, of it all but the 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 journalistic side of me finds it kind of increasingly um, over the top, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I always, taught, always remember Greg Rosenthal telling me that the smart play is to ignore the carnival, and the razzmatazz of opening night and just go and hang out where the coaches are, and particularly the, you know, positional coaches. And that's where you get some really decent, decent Intel. Um, the thing is the reality is when most of the times that I've done opening night, I've had to, deliver a, a specific piece a piece for the tv broadcast a piece a podcast episode all about opening night so you're gonna have to go do the rounds and look it is a lot of fun as well and it's bloody exhausting and brilliant but it's maybe a bit over the top so um that's right That was a bit of a digress in you a question i don't know seeing seeing rick flair at the miami <laughs> super bowl the only time i've ever asked for a selfie actually it was, wow. with, it was with the nature boy himself of course um <laughs> That was pretty cool and and i suppose all of that uh i like uh the story um i won't bore you again with because you've heard it before and and uh i tell you what i think i told it uh well it's definitely i've, I've probably told it about 11 times on my podcast but uh, long story short pat Cohen, the, the broadcaster and writer uh i ended up having him on my show a few years ago on my on my espn show uh, and he was at Sirius. Uh, is at Sirius. So it was. We were recording it on the Sirius set at Radio Row, and we were sitting there. Uh, and Sirius is one of the mega sets you get on Radio Row, like the NFL Network and Sirius, that a big uh, Death Star style um, <laughs> <laughs> spaceship uh, that gets roped off. And uh, and he and Pat was as we were doing the interview within inside their set, that kind of green room, I guess, that's that's by their radio sets and. About five minutes in, I got a sense of someone was moving very fast in my sort of peripheral vision. And it was Von Millett, just basically <laughs> blindsiding um, Pat Cohen and sort of diving in, irrespective of the cameras on and the fact we were recording, <laughs> which of course made for great content anyway. And, and just stuff like that happening all, all the time. Like I remember there was a great moment when I was with in the middle of um, the, one of the walkways in Radio Row with Vernon. Uh Akin Fenway, I think, was with us and someone else. And you know, you just run into different people all the time. And oh, it's like when we landed in Atlanta, like the first the moment I went into Radio Row and I went in through the wrong or through a sort of back door of it. And on the day we'd arrived there, and the first people I see out of the entire Super Bowl experience that week oc and jason (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's brilliant and and anyway so i'm with Vernon, and fenway and someone else and then the new kids on the block who were doing the kind of radio row uh rounds just kind of walk past with their entourage just walk past (laughs) um just did that just happen the new kids on the block it's just so brilliantly surreal uh and constant stuff like that so it's um it's it's so much fun, and it really does feel like you are you're in a slightly dreamlike situation. It really does. It's a it's a fuzz that whole media yeah.
0: week. Um, I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of opening night because I can't mm. stand it.
1: Uh, oh, good. I'm I'm glad you agree. I think <laughs> I think this might be one of
0: these ones where, much like our dislike of Mitch Trubisky a couple of years ago that we discussed off air, <laughs> and it was <laughs> like definitely,
1: yeah, doesn't, exactly. And we doesn't were work. we'd be proved right about that. <laughs> we were so right about that. Ed Malian Wherever you are, Ed Malian, of the Athletic fame these days, uh, he might have a highfalutin exec position at the Athletic, but he got Mitch Trubisky <laughs> wrong. So that's for sure. <laughs> but
0: but op- opening night, it, I I did it when it was media day in mm. the daytime in Arizona, and that was really cool, like getting to yes. get close up. But it it didn't seem as much carnage as what mm. I've seen from opening nights. I haven't actually been to either of them, but I don't even like watching it as a fan because it's just it's a lot of nonsense and then yeah. anybody any journalist trying to chat to a big name gets interrupted mm. by a guy in a Superman cape or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Or an NFL Network person who has the right to just get on the podium and ignore everybody else who's been waiting patiently to ask Bill Belichick something and just swoops right in and has their moment, which is fair. The NFL's putting it on. NFL Network should get that priority. Yeah, but it's yeah. just that kind of frustration of, well, what am I getting here? Unless, as you say, it's to go and talk to maybe the coaches and the positional coaches and, and get some decent information out of them on that. Uh, the we rest of good, it is just... I mean, on
1: the most recent one, we had a we had a good game plan, uh, and it's all credit to Ollie Thornton, uh, who, of course, you know very well, who, who is one of the producers on on my ESPN show as well. And we had a we had a good game plan. We thought, well, it was not to hover around the big podiums with the big and get us one question in because we can pull stuff. We wanted to get a feel for the night, but we had a, a, a thematically a con- collection of players that uh, made sense to talk to and form part of a narrative, right? Mm. And. One of them, I, I genuinely can't remember who it was, because this is the, this is to our point. It's like a blur of so many interviews. But, you know, so when the players are released into the room and you have, you know, it's, it's a free-for-all, right? And, but we we made a beeline, we got this player, you know, right. And, and and without being sort of pompous saying, hey, we had a really intelligent idea. We had an idea to, to, you know, that was more than just let's ask a series of stupid questions, which actually, to be fair, is also a good idea <laughs> in its own right. But anyway, to cut a long story short, we found this player you've only got a limited amount of time, we had a lot of ground to cover. And this one guy, American guy got to him first and just took the mickey. I mean, he must've been talking to the player for about seven or eight minutes. And it's like, this is just not, this is Mm -hmm. not how it's done. Like stop, you know? Uh, And that frustrates me that you just have, there's a kind of lack of professional etiquette. You got to get what you need to get, but don't take them, you know, don't take the mickey. And that, that sort of stuff winds me up because you get, and a lot of the time it is, you know, it is a journalist uh, or a broadcaster that, uh, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be there because they're not NFL journalists or broadcasters, but a lot of the time it's not people just really just just you know getting stuff for the sake of it. It's all a bit hack. It's all a bit kind of all right. I get it. You're, you're <laughs> gonna propose to somebody dressed as, as you say, Catwoman. It's like okay, yeah. fine, but come on. It's
0: it's the American <laughs> That's equivalent. That's like a real kill joke. <laughs> No, no, it's the American equivalent of, because this used to be my huge bugbear for covering any of the London games, of when uh, mm. the national press would send, like, somebody who's never really seen or, or watched much American football or anything like that, but they need to send somebody to get some quotes and the question that's always asked is, when is London going to get a franchise? And it will happen yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. and you're like, we are wasting time. Go back to yesterday's comments. We've got that already. Can we talk? When's London
1: get a franchise? Or, or I hate it as well. And I, sometimes I, I've actually said to, um, I've, said to my agent, <laughs> I've said to my agent. I said to my agent, I refuse to do these spots when around the international series. A lot of extra media opportunities or media opportunities come up for you know if I present it for the BBC or you know hey let's on shows that wouldn't normally talk about you know and I'm just sick of doing you got to you got to I want to promote the game of course but I'm I'm sick of doing the ones where I know I'm going to get all right I've got to oh, ask I've got to oh, ask why do players wear pads It's like yeah. oh. Isn't i mean they're it, not hard just enough for than they, rugby? rugby players don't wear pads i just want to just want to <laughs> kick the screen throw my phone whatever i'm on it's just oh for, that's the best you can do really yeah for the love of god
0: but do you, do you not get that as well then with um doing some of the international games where because for a lot of people it's the first game that they might watch of the nfl so the bbc does a lot of the kind of here's a quick guide to the NFL and in fairness now a lot of it goes up just on the on yeah online beforehand and you don't really have to do it as much during the broadcast from yeah. What I've seen but there was a long period of time where it was hey every quarter let's just remind everybody of the rules and what's going on and it's like that's good to educate people but it's also like if you're watching you can pick it up as you go along to an extent like the basics yeah, it's and
1: a, it's a really interesting point you know and the one I've, I've thought about a lot and and talked about a lot with, you know, Carlson in particular, but also, you know, O.C. and Jason and, and really whoever, like whoever I've worked with where we've been doing shows on, on you know, mainstream channels geared at, at that audience. And, and look, it's a bit different. The, the late night stuff was a bit different. Although having said that, I, I am a firm believer that the, the late night shows, the Sunday night football shows were hugely influential in bringing new fans to the sport. I, 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 it's more than I think that I know that. I know it from first-hand experience of doing something like football what, for six years, I guess, in total on on TV here. And, you know, the rise of social media is a big part of that. But the amount of messages, oh, I'm watching for the first time, my mates and I are watching. And, you know, it's a young audience a lot of the time because it's a college or uni audience, but not not just that. And it, it, people discovering the game for the first time. And so, so yeah, the late night side had did have that element as well. But obviously, typically, yeah, you're going to turn on BBC Two at four o'clock, you are you, a lot of the time you're going to introduce the game to people that maybe haven't seen it before or haven't watched it closely before. I, I get the frustration from fans if it's overbearing and certainly I think in terms of the dis, this discussion in the in the studio and if we, if it's ov- overly simplifying, you've got to be aware of it and not you know it's a bit like comedy you know people say often uh, you, you don't necessarily have to second guess if someone's going to get a reference. I think Steve Coogan was saying this, like he never worries about that. If he thinks it's the right reference for the gag, then just go with it. And people don't underestimate people's intelligence or people's ability to do it. And don't don't dumb it down for that reason. And I suppose it's the same kind of thing that just go with the you don't want to speak overtly technically. And I've definitely when I'm doing the highlight show sometimes on the beeb that I, I, I occasionally uh, depth for chappers, right? Mm. There's definitely a, a directive there on that show, particularly the one that follows Match of the Day, that I need to just be mindful of, of, of cadence or language that I might use. But n- at no point do they say, I really, kind of ask really simple questions. Like, you know, it just, you know, and neither should the, the BBC broadcast for that reason either. However, I think I don't have an issue with a two-minute explainer video for a kid that's watching it for the first time that you're right. The kids watch it for the first time, be straight on their on their <laughs> iPhone, working it out on the internet. But but nevertheless, I don't have an issue. Out of a four hour broadcast of two minutes is is a bit of a newbie explainer, like you know. Yeah. fair enough.
0: Yeah, it's um, I mean, the Channel Five late night stuff that that yourself and, and Mike used to do, and uh, the Channel Four stuff as well. I suppose I should throw into that as well because you're on both, mm. um, and also the Gary Imlach Channel Four NFL Blitz Saturday morning show. For me personally yeah, right. was very big because again it didn't it didn't pander. I, I mean I was really young at this point. Um, must with, have been, yeah, Blitz, yeah, but it was that was my Saturday morning regiment was Trans World Sport was at like eight o'clock in the morning, yeah. Gazetta at nine, and NFL Blitz yeah. at ten. And it was like that's a perfect yeah. morning. What a great one. Um but that was great for almost being like the closest thing we had to red zone at that point of just quick hits of the action mm. and you kind of just got to grips with what was going on, how it was taking place. And they had a few nice little side pieces and bits of VT that Imlac would either present to camera about the news or anything that was going on. And you can just pick it up kind of naturally if you've got something like that. And it seems now that there's, A, the kind of desire to more have, look here it is, here it is, bam, 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 just this is how you learn it. Um, And also, I I don't know, I wonder if that highlight show that um, yourself and, and Chappers have both done, if that could be moved into a kind of a Saturday morning type audience as well, because
1: it, yeah, the funny thing is on that. Like when you, so when we doing the Ch- channel four show um, highlight show, the Vernon, I did that did have a Saturday morning slot as well. Uh, and I th- it just didn't really seem to catch. I don't know if times have changed. Like, you, you know, you must be really young when the MLAC and that show was on. Cause I was pretty young when it was on and I'm older than you. And there was, I don't know. It's just something different. I, I think it's harder to get, well uh, the reasons are obvious i guess in a way that we're multi-channel and uh, yeah okay sky was around when i was a kid but i didn't have it Mm. so i was kind of limit and the internet didn't exist right so i was limited to what i was served up on the on the four or five channels that we did have (laughs) right i was having this conversation i think might have even been with Vern uh, about movies as well like a lot of the time i would discover a movie because i'd bbc one on a thursday night at 10 o'clock after the news at 10 30 that might show a hollywood movie like and you just watch that movie that's what that's what gets served up whereas now it's what's on netflix so i'm going to choose between eight gazillion things and we've always got to catch up and have you seen this box set and everything's on demand so you just don't have that sure you can discover things on netflix or amazon and 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 people do and i guess the counter argument is because there is a library of so much stuff then it's maybe easier to discover things but I'm not so sure that's true I wonder whether there Mm. is this paradox with you know the access of stuff online and and on demand that you think well you should be able to be more expansive in your range than ever before but actually you start to just uh, you know concentrate even more on your narrow niches and there's nothing wrong with that but it means you maybe don't discover things in the same way that you used to
0: yeah you you kind of stay in that lane because the lane in itself is so broad because there's so much so of much that genre of it. isn't right. it yeah i mean right. like my netflix is basically used the majority of the time for stand up comedy because mm. I, I, I love who your favorites um at the moment uh tom segura uh mm-hmm. and that kind of Joe Rogan and Friends, Los yeah, Angeles yeah, yeah. comedian sect. Um, Theo Vaughn, I think, is so funny. And I know he got into a bit of trouble with like retweeting Breeze's comments. And, Did he? Yeah. Well, he didn't really understand what was going on. So he's just a big Saints fan and saw Breeze's right. comments and was like, yeah, I love the flag in America and I love the Saints and Drew Breeze and retweeted it and everyone just lambasted mm-hmm. him. And he, he felt really bad because he's not a bad dude or anything like that mm-hmm. from what I've gathered. Um, and he's quite it's quite open on his podcast as well. Like he really mm-hmm. talks from the heart, which is kind of it's almost unnatural, even in the comedic zone, because they all just use it. Oh, I've got mental health problems, but I do comedy. Ha 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 ha. And then just crack on making jokes and stuff. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, Rogan, um, Bill Burr is exceptional mm-hmm. at the moment. I, I know it's like a lot of it is misogynistic jokes and stuff, but the Tony plays it is so funny. Um, and he, he actually nailed, uh, I saw him at the Royal Albert Hall last year, and he nailed mm. the whole Kaepernick thing mm. in a three-minute joke, just talking about how people didn't understand that it was about the knee, and then people just start yelling, yeah, but my my dad served in the rack, and, and, I, I, and it's like, yeah, dude, we're not talking about that, like, we're just saying, and really put, yeah. put it into a very kind of easy to take in sort of joke and laugh at it on a very serious topic, which I thought was you know that's one of his really good qualities. Yeah. So I'm very much into that. British comedy I think just struggles a little bit at the moment in stand up. I think I think there's a lot of easier, safer jokes that British comedians take compared to the US. They're a bit more willing to be a bit stronger. Yeah.
1: I've always, I mean, it probably comes no surprise that almost all of my favorite comics are stand-ups anyway, I should say being American. Uh I mean in terms of overall kind of broader comedy, I mean, it's, we mentioned Coogan, who is just incredible. I love Vic and Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob Mortimer's train guy, I think is keeping a lot of us, a lot of us going through <laughs> lockdown. I actually found myself on a call the other day saying, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming train guy. Um, And, you know, and quite Peter Cook. I mean, so many, you know, so many brilliant comics, but stand-up wise, I've always been, always been kind of leaning towards the States.
0: What's your go-to kind of
1: guy? Or, well, or there are a few, There are so controversially because a lot of people don't like him and think he plagiarized another comic I love. Bill Hicks um, is is Dennis Leary. I love Dennis Leary and so well, particularly No Cure for Cancer, his show, which I think is brilliant. But like I say, controversial. There'll be some of your listeners now on it. They're like, Oh God, oh he's (laughs) you know, I know, I know, he's kind of borderline. There's a there's a couple of bits of material that are eerily similar to Hicks. It's unclear as to well. Here we go again. It's unclear. I could hear everyone. No, he it, Hicks was first, but <laughs> I don't know. They, they were friends. They were doing stuff, and it happens. You know, I, you know, I know from firsthand experience that you can, you can do. You know, I remember because I, you know, you know, I started out as a stand-up and I remember doing this uh, show for Radio Four, which was a kind of new act show, and everyone was got like a twenty-minute set, and we recorded it at the Drill Hall in in London, and i i mean i got booked for this show i was really new i'd only be going about a year i don't think i had ever done 20 minutes before yes a <laughs> like long ever. time right? so it was a good time to do it and um because you start out with like a five minute set that's your typical set and then you build a 10 anyway i so i had about probably about 15 minutes and and you know shit i better kind of you know <laughs> and not like five seconds before i went on stage but you know like a couple of days before like you know so I went, and you go to a club sort of road test something, and so it was very new material, uh, and that's relevant because obviously if you're doing material for a period of time, you will be told this. But I did, I did some material and came off, and it, the set went well. I came off, and somebody said uh, I, it was a joke I was doing about Patrick Bateman, an American psycho. I can't, I can't for the life of me remember what the joke was. But like a sort of two three minute bit. Anyway, I came off, and someone said, "Oh, um, she was actually an act on the on the bill as well," and she said. You know, I've got some material just like that, and I said, "Oh no!" And she knew that I hadn't. There's no way I could have possibly seen her do it. It was just a complete coincidence that we had really, really similar material. So it can happen. It can yeah. happen. And I, and anyway, so Leary is is constantly vilified for this, but he's a. That's a no. If you haven't ever seen it, and you'd be put off by the stories you've heard about Leary being a, a joke thief or whatever. Just put that out of your mind and go and look up "No Cure for Cancer." It's apps. It's all on YouTube. The whole thing brilliant so it's I on, love him
0: it's on Netflix different, as well actually that one
1: it's on Netflix yeah, yeah, yeah okay it'll um, be a better quality on Netflix and then <laughs> and Hicks yeah for sure uh loved, loved Robin Williams uh uh and in so many different ways um you know as a stand-up as an actor as a love Mork and Mindy I mean it's just one of my favorite people ever um but uh, the other stand-up I really really admire and love and he's left field and a tragic early uh, demise because he was a heroin addict it was Mitch Hedberg and if you haven't seen the Mitch Hedberg or the Wilson you need to go and educate yourself tonight on some okay. Mitch Hedberg he was brilliant and very very different to the acts I've other acts I've mentioned just I'm un- brilliantly surreal and that word gets misappropriated but he really was stupid absurd one-liners Uh, so he was great Mitch Hedberg was great and actually speaking of uh, one line is Emo Phillips as well I love Emo (laughs) Phillips one of my favorite Emo Phillips lines is he goes how old are you and the guy goes uh 24 and he goes 24 when I was your age I was seven (laughs) 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 one of my favorite lines ever all right
0: Uh, I will uh, I'll definitely look up Mitch Hedberg for sure on that one um yeah what about okay because uh, you know um greg rosenthal very well uh greg yeah. rosenthal or greg rosenthal
1: Is oh a, god i've got a, a strong lots of trouble a... That <laughs> over the years and i'm so confused now <laughs> it's Thor. it's Thor. Thor not... all right so we would say that because of jim rosenthal yeah yeah so that's greg. where i came up it's rosenthal greg yeah. rosenthal oh. um yeah his uh
0: I guess best mate aside from yourself, obviously, um, obviously. is, uh, Anthony Jesselnik. And I think he mm. is just so wonderfully dark as a comedian. Yes. It's has, a great show they've got. Oh, it's, it's so annoying that it's stopped for the moment because of the stuff with comedy central and everything. Yeah. yeah, gutting, yeah. Cause yeah. that was getting me uh, there. Some of those conversations that they had, like, uh, when Anthony was talking about Kareem hunt on, uh, the Jesselnik and Rosenthal vanity project is it, mm. we should give it a shout out. Um, yeah. When he was talking about Kareem Hunt, it was going to come back to the NFL's, the Browns' uh, best kicker in the NFL. And it was like, oh, that is, God. <laughs> it's, that? yeah, yeah, they had a whole conversation about. But now the best kicker in the league, I think it's Kareem Hunt once he gets back. But, I think but who's going to kick early in the season? They're going to go for two. They're going to be going for it going on fourth down. Because once Kareem gets in there, I don't know how much a football weighs. But it weighs less than a twenty-one-year-old girl, so I think he—I think he could go from sixty. I think in a dome, he could go from seventy. And Greg is so awkward in this conversation. Yeah, I'm just not a surprised. Bit, he's
1: like, I'm not surprised.
0: And Tamposi as well, their producer, He works for the NFL as well. Works for the NFL as well, NFL as well yeah. yeah. Just the the way he just doesn't care about yeah. <laughs> Greg's career. That, those- that's
1: that's a good point. He can, you know, he is well yeah I say a kind of free a uh, free spirit I mean he's you know he's gonna gonna work because some people where he can't say anything he wants but I suppose it's the beauty of um well, the beauty maybe that's the wrong word it's the the freedom that you have as a stand up I mean I remember when we did Americana, which we ran for years, one of the the kind of main things so Dan Lowe, who you know was a seminal part of it and you a know, brilliant uh, brilliant brilliantly funny guy he said essentially said, look, why don't you and Mike look at doing a show it's like your Channel 4 show, but you can say things that you couldn't say on Channel 4. And, you know, that's that's the freedom, I think, of, of pods, certainly, and, and being an independent podcaster, if you are, and, and, and being a stand-up as well, is within reason. And I think there is always a limit, but within reason, you can say anything you want, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, um, but it, there's still always that bit in the back of your head of just, can I say that? Um, just in case yeah. like the the um, South American football podcast that myself and uh, a guy called David Windsor do when we've mm. been working down there um, but we're still working for the world feed so technically we're mm. kind of representing Commiball and Commiball are very involved in it as the federation um, so we couldn't really have a go at anything that Commiball does because if it comes back we're not a big podcast you know handful of listeners but we do it because we have a lot of fun doing it but if mm. Comedy ball did hear it and took an f- exception to it, then we could be off the project. And it's like, yeah. well, there is that freedom to speak to an extent. Um, so stand-up comedy, would you rather bomb as a comedian on a 15-minute set or have mm. one of those moments on air on a broadcast TV or radio where everybody's had a point where the kind of mind goes blank for a second? Which is Which is worse, that kind of frozen moment mm. on a talk sport show or that bombing for ten minutes or so on depends on the
1: on the bombing because I mean I, that happened plenty of times when I <laughs> oh yeah I'm <laughs> well, not, yeah. not
0: saying by the way like I wasn't presuming <laughs> that you <laughs> bombed a lot or anything like that but
1: <laughs> many times well I was, I was quite hit and miss I think uh, but um, I it depends because you can have you can have you, can, you know it can be quite strangely quite fun <laughs> uh, you know when and every every comic does I don't know it's a good question probably. You know, probably the... It depends how long the blankie on Air Force is, really. I mean, thank God it's never happened. I think I've forgotten once that name of the reporter I was supposed to throw to, uh, you know, having thrown to him sort of 15 times already before and embarrassing (laughs) stuff like that. But um, I've had a few. I remember, I I think I called Steve Bauer, Steve Bowyer. That's one of my highlights. (laughs) And uh, a few other classics. But nothing kind of, God forbid, too. My best one, of course, was when I was on... um, on the bbc one of the live games on the bbc and i said don't forget to use the hashtag c4 nfl if you want to get in touch with oh. the studio <laughs> that was that was <laughs> a brilliant piece of work from me um so yeah i would go probably for the for the yeah the bombing on stage because i've been there and done it and survived it <laughs> that,
0: that must be kind of an endearing moment though from an audience so an audience would hear that and kind of think geez now nah, like way to you know put your foot in it right there but also it probably generates a lot of like nice positive conversation kind of thing like nobody at the BBC the gonna... nfl Yeah
1: thing. yeah uh, yeah I mean the from the BBC we're, we're fine with it and I and I covered it straight away go oh, forty in slip um you know and, and made fun with it but I still definitely got some tweets going oh you're getting fired in the morning you idiot and stuff, stuff like that oh thanks very much I mean that's the great thing about the NFL UK crew um uh, as in the NFL UK fans Although the NFL UK are fine people as well, but the uh, the fan base is just so, so supportive. It's a real, I don't want to get sort of too sentimental saying so it's a real family, but but it is. You know, everyone's just got each other's back. It's just a really positive crew. Like, I've been lucky that most of the things I've done, you know, just people are behind it and they get it. And I always try and, you know, give back in that way as well. And that is just a nice, positive place to be as opposed to other sports. And you do a lot of football, you know, where it's, can be brutal if you're doing like really sort of mainstream when i've done sort of phone-ins on talk sport and i've said the wrong thing about club x you know jesus and you know twitter feed blows up and it's like oh for god's sake (laughs) you know i'm not you know so i you know i I, that's one of the reasons i I love doing what i do in, in the nfl it's just a it's a good bunch and it's a happy place and And long may that continue.
0: Yeah, the fact that NFL fans will still forgive you saying, like, San Diego Chargers, like I do almost every single time (laughs) I talk about the (laughs) Chargers still. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of useful. And you do, I think it's because a lot of people watch the NFL. um, And when you start watching NFL, unless you've got a fair few other mates that do, there's a lot of raised eyebrows. Of, yeah why yeah. are you watching that like we've got all of these other sports why are you getting into that and it's like well, yeah I just yeah yeah it.
1: exactly where it's a badge of honor the cult the cult side yeah So for everyone's, sure. yeah everyone's kind of just been through the ringer with that
0: and the kind of yeah, the way people look at it um just finally is there anybody around the nfl that you know people say like never meet your heroes or anything like that have you ever mm. had one of those ones where it's like oh man like damn because i definitely so the example I'll use is mm. two years ago, um, Jay Ajayi came down and sat down with Talk Sport. And mm. um, I, lo- I loved he was part of the Eagles Super Bowl winning team and everything like that. And just, mm. but he was very closed off. So it wasn't like I was, I wasn't like upset or anything like that, but I was just kind of surprised that he was mm. quite quiet and kind of reserved when we spoke to him because i had been yeah. so excited about that all week similarly actually Donovan McNabb this year at the Super Bowl when he just never turned up and it was like I get to meet my hero and he didn't do the interview and oh, I was I didn't like turn oh up. dude yeah. cheers Donovan thanks but um, but yeah so it was kind of like I probably built it up too much in my head of like yeah me and Jay mm. are going to be like best friends after this you know and yeah like, yeah yeah back that's to the it. Eagles and all that and you're like ah damn come on Jay like give us some love take the sunglasses off you know like come on <laughs> but have yeah. you ever had anything like that where it's been like a, a childhood um NFL hero or anything like that you know an ex-dolphin or something that's been like ah.
1: no, I've never interviewed Marino so I'm kind of I've interviewed Joe Montana and, and, and Jim Kelly and Jim Kelly I think that uh, uh, hands down one of the highlights of my career because I've got so much I mean for so many different reasons he's such a seminal figure in in my NFL life Is you know as a kid he was this you know brilliant quarterback for one of my team's big rivals then of course everything off the field um battling cancer the the fact that that bills team fascinates me The you know the the four consecutive super bowls and uh it's a great football town i every I everything about jim kelly so he actually came into the the booth for one of the bbc games and that was brilliant and and montana i actually interviewed a few times and he's really good fun as well and so i've been so marino maybe you know maybe he would be you know maybe marino would be the one that you know i i bill up and uh rather sort of hype up in my head and it's really really disappointing (laughs) i'll tell you one kind of flip side somebody who i interviewed that was an absolute legend not um not from nfl at all but just a a great story and and a a brilliant guy i was doing it was when i was first working for espn and uh, i got uh to uh I was sent to interview for the show I was doing, which was a chat show, a kind of entertainment chat show. I did with Kelly Kate, hmm. called uh, Talk of the Terrace, and uh, we had uh, some time allocated to, with Hugh Jackman because he was in a Disney movie called Real Steel, which is the one where the robots fight each other. If you've seen it, so and, bad um, it's good. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, and um, the uh, so it's, it's the usual thing, the kind of junket style. You get five minutes uh in the hotel and we were the last hit of the day and the publicist said uh okay uh you know he's he's got uh you know he's got five ten, like 10 minutes maximum but like 5 to 7 minutes and uh you know what what are you going to be asking him what's you know he said well you know it's a sports show so okay well you know don't get too technical you know all this stuff mm-hmm. anyway he came in and the um producer said so this is not, he's from uh, we're from ESPN He's like ESPN and I said yeah we're uh, we're a sports show uh, and he goes oh amazing and so we so even before we'd rolling we were just talking and he was he he's i don't know if you know it's half english you jackman a big norwich city fan and so we're chatting away and, and i uh had just i think had both my kids i said no we want to anyway I was, I was a newish dad when it came out and i said look it's a really you know, it's quite an emotional film because it's a very father-son story. And I said, I was welling up a little bit, you know, it was really, and so we were talking about being, so anyway, we got on well before we'd even started rolling. And I said, look, just before we started, I said, look, we've got um this show, it's kind of irreverent. So, uh, you know, I'm going to throw a few few things again. Mate, just do what, whatever you want. So my the camera started rolling and I said, so um Hugh, it's great to see you. Uh, it's amazing that your new film, Real Steel, set in the year 2027, which is presumably the next time the Aussies are going to win the Ashes. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he he did this thing where he kind of went, "I, I told you not to talk about like faux indignation." <laughs> Got up, ripped off his mic, and you could see the publicist at the back of the room who told me I had five minutes, looking like absolutely panicked. <laughs> like, oh my god, what's happening? He's already walking out, and he and he kind of staged this kind of thing and and sat back down. He was there only Forty-five minutes. Oh, awesome. we were talking about. I mean, he was just an absolute. You could see his pumps so sort of okay. Uh, it really is now. And he's like, no, no, no. That's. Fun. I mean, absolute <laughs> legend. And as you'd imagine, well, as he comes across, uh, really one of the good guys. So yeah, it it does uh, uh, to me prove anyway that nice guys can can uh, finish first. Very much so.
0: Uh, I just a bit worried that it sounds like you cried to Real Steel um
1: pretty much yeah i bet mean, i cried i cried to most do you know that like that scene in oceans 11 the oceans 11 the movies the new ones when when brad pitt rocks up at daddy ocean's door uh hotel room door and he looks at him and he goes have you been drinking wine and watching oprah because <laughs> daddy ocean's crying <laughs> and, oh, i just love that <laughs> i am basically uh that i you know, put field of dreams on I guarantee you I will I've seen it 20 times I guarantee you I'll start crying in the final scene of it
0: as long as you don't cry during Moneyball which is the sports movie without any
1: sport in it no I don't cry during Moneyball but Moneyball is a show is a movie rather that we talk about on my latest podcast with uh, Tom Deacon oh, very
0: smoothly done <laughs> very smoothly done well uh, nah, man, we've spoken for about an hour today already so uh, I'm sure you want to get off with the family and everything like that big thanks there to nat coombs for taking some time out to have a chat about all things nfl uh society the media uh, stand-up comedy anything else in between um we will be chatting with him uh, further on as we get closer to the NFL season, because we've got to talk some Miami Dolphins with him at some point, And actually, is that franchise ever going to get turned around or not? Although whether Nat has the, the definitive answer to that, who knows? Also want to talk to him about uh, Mike Carlson as well, and how they came to be working together. And, you know, they're always such a close connection. You know, when Nat's there, Mike's going to be uh, on the mic at some point as well and uh, work a great, as a great tandem dovetail nicely and uh, a duo that NFL fans in the UK have kind of grown up with and uh, grown up to love for sure um, if you want to follow Nat uh, you can follow him on at Nat Coombs on Twitter, that's at Nat Coombs on Twitter. There is the NC Show, at the NC Show, that's all one word. That's the Nat Coombs Show, his podcast with ESPN that has multiple episodes each week. Some great guests on there as well, always worth a listen. Look, you know when that is available, Sunday nights on TalkSport 2. He's worked for Channel 4, Channel 5, does stuff for the BBC as well. ESPN, interviews on camera, off camera, podcasts, You know when that's about. If you're a UK NFL fan, it's not like it's a new name for anybody. Uh, Go out, find him, have a chat with him. He's a really good guy. Uh, You can follow us on at pick six underscore pod. That's at pick six underscore pod. Like, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff on the podcasting outlets on Spotify, iTunes, uh, and of course on anchor.fm our hosts Jazz and Dave should be back with me at some point later on this week to talk all things Jamal Adams and NFL news going on until then big thanks for listening and take care